Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. great time of worship together. Really, really wonderful time worshiping Jesus together. You know, there's, when we lift up the name of Jesus, it changes everything. And probably the very first thing that it changes is us. And so it's such a good thing to worship Jesus. And the word that came and the emphasis and the exhortation that came, I was blessed by Linda's exhortation for us to sing in tongues. And that as we would, we'd come into and experience the presence of God in a in a powerful way, and uh, Judith came, and she brought that beautiful song, didn't she? Reflecting God's heart for us to look at Him, to fix our eyes on Him, to see Him as He is, and then our response to say, Lord, we're yours and you're ours. We are such a blessed people. And then for us to know and understand as that tongue came through Stephen and Chris interpreted the tongue, that Jesus is the name God has chosen to, to do mighty things. It's through his son that he's changing everything. And all power, all authority has been given to Jesus. That's what Jesus says after his resurrection. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. It's a done deal. That was 2,000 years ago. And it hasn't changed. In fact, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Jesus is wonderful. And when we see him as he is, we're changed. We're transformed. And as we're changed and we're transformed, we're to be changers and transformers in the world. As we stand before him, restoration takes place of heart and mind and body and soul and spirit. And then as those who have been restored, we go and we bring restoration into the earth. Aren't we a blessed people? Why don't you turn to somebody next to you and say, you're a blessed person this morning. And not just because you're sitting next to me, although that is one reason. We're going to to look over this next month, at least, at harvest. Has anybody been held up by an agricultural vehicle during the last few weeks? This morning. morning. That's Chris's excuse for being late for church. It was actually pretty on time. Um, we went up to Northumberland and we had a couple of weeks in Northumberland and there's huge farmland there and I've never really been there before. We just realized how much farming goes on up there and the number of times we were behind something massive and the size of these combine harvesters these days. I mean, when I was a lad, it was just that stick, wasn't it, with the hooky bit on the end. <laughs> now they've got these big beasts. And uh, this time of year, naturally speaking, is harvest time, isn't it? And uh, over this next month, we want to take what's happening in the natural and help us to understand what's happening spiritually and what God wants to do in us and through us, because guess what? It is harvest time. It is harvest time. Jesus makes that statement himself. If you put the next slide up, please. Harvest on the way is what I've called this message, and hopefully the reason for the title will become evident as I share. But just want to make these two statements right at the top, and these are things that you may well have heard many times before, but I'm not making any apologies for it, because... It's important that we understand this. 
Jesus is talking with his disciples in Matthew 9 and in Luke 10. You can read about it. And Jesus says to them and gathers them around and he says, boys, the harvest is massive. The harvest is absolutely huge. Because he had a Welsh accent, so he said huge. But the word that he used there, the word is polis. It means plentiful. It means abundant. It means large. It means there is no lack of harvest. The harvest is great. The harvest was great. The harvest will be great. And that's great. But the harvest is great. Today, the harvest is great. What that means is there are people around us not just a few people here and there dotted around that we've got to somehow hunt down, but actually around us, people that we brush by and walk past and interact with and talk to or, or, or miss the opportunity to talk to every day who are ready to respond to the good news of the kingdom, who are ready to respond to the name of Jesus and make him their Lord and Savior. Do we believe that, though? Do we live with that understanding, that revelation, that expectation every day. A harvest is great. And then in John 4, Jesus is with his disciples again. I think Jesus had great fun with his disciples. I just think he had a a laugh with them, and I think he laughed at what they saw. They took everything he said so literally. And Jesus shared things in parables and stories that were meant to be, you know, they were meant to have a, a, a secretive meaning. And they took everything literally. He says, beware the yeast of the Pharisees. And they're like, is he talking about our pack lunch? Did we bring some dodgy bread on the boat? And Jesus is talking about the subtleties of the Pharisees' teaching that would permeate into people and make them legalistic and religious. And he's saying, don't be like that. Be men of faith. Be men of life. Be men who are free. But he says in, in John 4, he says this, the harvest is not just great, but the harvest is ready. See, what had happened is Jesus and his disciples were seeing people transformed. They were responding in repentance and getting baptized by Jesus' disciples. And the Pharisees ended up pitching John the Baptist's disciples up against Jesus' disciples. And there was this like baptism off that was taking place. And so, all, you know, they were like scoring John and John was like well ahead. And then all of a sudden Jesus comes along and people start responding to Jesus' gospel and, and they start getting baptized by Jesus' disciples. And they're like, oh, Jesus is catching up. Who's the better evangelist? Oh, Jesus is slightly ahead now. Jesus is well ahead right now. And they start to, and Jesus is like, right, I'm off. Don't get caught up in competition. It's not about who's seeing the most people saved in which place so that we can outdo everybody else. It's not about that at all, is it? It's about the kingdom of God being extended. Jesus was a kingdom man. He wasn't bothered about local competition. And he starts to head from Judea up to Galilee. He starts to head back towards his hometown. And he chooses to go through Samaria. The Jews did not like the Samaritans. The Samaritans did not like the Jews. We know that, don't we? And they turn up at this well, and it's midday, it's noon, it's boiling hot. Jesus is tired, and he's resting, and the the other disciples have gone off to get lunch. And while he's there, a Samaritan woman starts to draw water from the well. All this is in the chapter 4 of John's Gospel. And Jesus starts to engage with her, and she's shocked because not only is he a man interacting with a woman, it's a Jewish man interacting with a Samaritan woman. All taboos are broken. And he starts to interact with her, and he asks her for water, and then she engages him in conversation, and he moves in a word of knowledge about her home situation, her domestic life. 
she starts to realize he's a prophet. She doesn't realize who he is yet. And he starts to share more about the realities of, of what God's heart is for worship and people to be able to come and worship him wherever they are because they're transformed and lived in by the Holy Spirit. And she is amazed at his teaching and she believes he's the Messiah. And so she rushes back into the town, into the village of Sikar, and she starts to tell people. And guess what? Sikar is a harvest that's great and it's ready. How do we know? Because as the disciples come back with lunch, they're all chewing on their enchiladas and they come up to Jesus and they, they offer him the kind of the last one, the, the, the egg and cress sandwich that managed to survive the journey. And Jesus says, no, I don't need food anymore. In fact, I've been nourished by doing my father's will and sharing the good news with somebody. And they've just caught the glimpse of Jesus talking to this woman and they're a bit confused by what's going on. And then all of a sudden, as Jesus is talking to them about this and doing the will of the Father, out of the corner of his eye, Jesus begins to see the whole community of Sychar, the whole village, men and women and children begin to walk up the hill towards him. And he says to his disciples, you say four months to the harvest. You keep putting it off. One day, Lord, there'll be a great revival. One day, Lord, my neighbor will be saved. One day, Lord, you'll save my family. One day, you'll save my friend and my colleague. One day. And he says, don't put it off anymore. The fields are ripe to harvest. Look around you. Look up. And they look up and they begin to see a whole village, Samaritan village, come. And Jesus can't go on anymore. He's got to stay there with those people. And revival transforms this small village through one conversation with one lady during one lunchtime, lazy, sitting down by a well. Jesus knew the harvest was great. Jesus knew the harvest was ready. Do we know this? Do we live in this way? In Acts 10, 38, if you could put the next verse up, it says this, you know, this is Peter's declaration. He's preaching to Cornelius and his family, and he's preaching the gospel, and he makes this statement. You know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. That's what he tells Cornelius. And that was great news for Cornelius. It was a revelation to Cornelius and his family that Jesus really is the Christ, really is the Messiah. He really is the one they should put their faith and their trust in. It was great news for them. But guess what? It's great news for us today as believers. Because I love what Peter said. Peter did not say God anointed Jesus, the Son of God, with the Holy Spirit and power. He didn't say that, did he? He just said, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. He didn't even say, the Lord, uh, God anointed the Lord Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. He just says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. That means this, put the next slide up please. We can do this this morning. Insert name here, because this is what Peter is saying. God anointed a man from a place with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. So that makes it available to all of us. That means you can put your name in there. God anointed Ben Morris of Ashby de la Zouche, for now, with the Holy Spirit and power. God anointed each one of us with the Holy Spirit and power. Put your name in there. Your name, your village. God has anointed you and me with the Holy Spirit and power so that we can go around doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil. Amen. The good life, the life that God has for us is to be accepted, received, enjoyed by us, but it's so to be exported, isn't it? Yeah. Through us and from us. We have good news. 
we have good things to do. And I love this statement. Do you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power? And then what did Jesus do? He went around. Does anybody here go around? I go around. I get up in the morning, I go to the car, sometimes maybe drop the kids off at school, I come to the office, I go to the gym. I, I go around there. I might pop to Tesco, I go around there. And I come to the office, go around here. I walk to the co-op for lunch, go around there. Walk back again. Come back to the building, go out and see somebody. Go around there. Come home, go there. I come out to another meeting or see a friend or go out for dinner, go around there. And then I go to bed. Anybody else have a similar sort of day? Is that just me? But I love the normality of it. Jesus went around. You go around, I go around, let's just go around. And as we do, let's know who we are, let's know who we've got, and let's know what we've got to do. The Holy Spirit and power is in us. We go around, we do good, we heal all oppressed by the devil, because guess what? God is with you. God is with me. God's with me. Yeah, that's great, isn't it? Yeah, God's with you. Yeah, you're the Almighty. You know, the one who created the heavens and the earth and spoke and created the entire universe in seven days. He just sort of said, stars be, and all of a sudden the universe exploded and just spoke and a rhino appeared and some plants popped up and they started to reproduce themselves and he made the sea. That's quite cool. He's with me. He's in me. He's in you. Every day, as you go around, in Aldi, in Sainsbury's, at work, in college, at school, at the building, wherever you are, at home. He's in you and me. Right now, he's in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. God is in you, and he's in me. And so when we go around, we go around differently to everyone else, don't we? We certainly should, because we've been anointed by the Holy Spirit and power, and we're to go around and do good. Romans 10, 13. And 17, if you put the next slide up, please. It says this, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? It's a good question, Paul. That's a fair point. And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? Yeah, that's fair as well. I mean, you can't believe in somebody you've never heard of. So probably need to hear about them first. And how can anyone hear about them unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news about Christ. Can you have a look at your feet for a moment, please? Does anybody here have open-toed footwear on today? The really bold and brave among us, the pedicured. The cuticle enriched. The bunion diminished. You know, our feet are funny things, aren't they? Some people think, oh, when I worked as a physiotherapist, people used to say, oh, I hate my feet being touched. Oh, no, don't look at my feet. I'm like, well, you've broken your ankle. I don't really have a choice. (laughs) Our feet is often the, the part of our body that's a little bit overlooked. It's often covered up, isn't it? I mean, that's why socks are so, they sell so well. Have you noticed that? And shoes. There's always stuff on them generally, isn't there? And there's this new fashion. Does anybody own a pair of sliders? I'm looking over this way right now. Does anybody wear socks with their sliders? 
Yes. We've been mocking people who wear sandals and socks for years, and now it's in, everybody. There's always a window to be fashionable. You just stick with one look, and you'll be in for a while. And out for a long while. But guess what? Here I want you, you have got beautiful feet. When I, when I had my 40th birthday, Sarah and I went away to York, and she booked me in for a pedicure. She'd been going on about my feet for ages. She says on my big toe, because I run a lot, I've got a dead man's toe. She calls it my dead man's toe. Okay. This is what you call it, isn't it? So she booked me in for a pedicure, and it's a really odd experience, but I, at the end of it, my feet looked amazing. <laughs> like, I didn't want to take my socks, I wanted to put my, didn't want to put my socks on. I didn't want to cover them with a duvet or anything. I just wanted to look at them. They were beautiful. <laughs> but here's the thing. Your feet are beautiful, and it's not about a pedicure. I can't wait for my 80th birthday pedicure and then my 120th birthday pedicure, because every 40 years I'm going to get a pedicure, I think. But right now, where you are, your feet are beautiful, because you carry the message of the good news, of the gospel, of the kingdom of God. You've been anointed by the Holy Spirit and power. You have been sent. I have been sent. We have been sent to preach the good news. That's exactly what Jesus did. That's exactly what we're to do. The harvest is there and we're on the way. I just want to say this first. Put the next slide up for me, please, Katie. We've been sent. You and I have been sent. It says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth for the Holy Spirit and power. The word sent in, in uh, Romans 10, the verse that I just read, is the word Apostolos, which is that same word that we use for the word apostle, and it means to be sent with authority, to, meant to be sent to, to bring into place where you go the culture of where you've been sent from. It was a Greek idea, actually. So the Greeks were amazing at bringing Greek culture and Hellenization, as it's called, to, to the, uh, the world that had been uh, brought under their authority by Alexander the Great and, and his great conquests. And it was all about imposing Greek language, Greek clothing, Greek names, Greek culture, Greek thinking, philosophy. And it's still, even today, in Western society, very much as influential in how we view ourselves and the world and, and everyone around us. We, it, we still live in the, the teachings and the philosophies of the Greeks. They were incredible at bringing people under their, their way of thinking. And there's some stuff from that we need to break free from, because it's not God's philosophy, it's not God's culture. But what they would send into certain places is they could conquer a territory... And then in that place, they might have rule, but people still lived as they were. They were still uncivilized. They were un-Greek. They were barbarians. They didn't change their practice. And so once a general had, had taken authority of a place and they'd won a victory in there, then they would send the apostle. And the apostle would go, and his or her job would be then to bring in that place the culture of the city from which he was sent, from Athens, the heart of Greece, to come and to bring that very same culture into that place, no matter where it was in the world. Well, you and I, we're born of heaven. We're born from above. And we are sent with the Holy Spirit and power. God is with us to do what? To bring into being, to bring into place God's kingdom, his rule, his government, his culture, his ways into the world wherever he's placed us. We've been sent to do that. Now, it's great to be sent, but here's the wonderful thing. We've been anointed. There's with it an authority. We go with authority. We've been anointed by God. And therefore, we carry his authority. The story, I told this, <clears throat> I told this at Bible Week, but 
There's a story of a farmer, and, and uh, he's at work one day, and, and a, a drug enforcement agent comes to his farm. He says, I need to inspect all of your barns, all of your land, for any uh, potential growth of drugs or storage of drugs. I need to check it all out. And the farmer says, yes, that's absolutely fine. You can look wherever you want. I'd just be careful of that field over there if I were you. Well, the agent was livid, absolutely livid. Got his badge out. It's like, DEA. Drug Enforcement Agency. Do you know what that means? It means I have authority to go wherever I want. The Queen, the government, everybody else is behind me. I have authority to go into any field, barn, storage area, or building I so choose to go. The farm says, I'm really sorry, sir. I didn't mean to offend you. And off he went. Went into one of his sheds. Anyway, about 20 minutes later, as he's working away, the farmer, he hears a shout and a scream from the field that he'd pointed out to the agent, and he looked out of his shed, and sure enough, the agent is running, and behind him is Sir Gorolot, <laughs> the champion bull that the farmer had bred, chasing the agent. And so the agent's running with all that he's got, help! And every step the agent took, the bull seemed to be gaining on him. And the farmer, without even dropping a heartbeat, just dropped his tools and shouted at the top of his voice, your badge, show him your badge! <laughs> It's not that sort of authority that we have. The authority that we carry works wherever we go. Whatever situation we find ourselves in, wherever we go, we have authority, heavenly authority. We carry the authority of the name of Jesus. The one who said at the beginning, as I said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. We go with the same anointing, the same authority. We carry the same attributes. It talks about Jesus in Hebrews was anointed with joy. Amen. The attributes of God himself, his nature is in us. The fruit of the Spirit. And I love the fact that it's joy. Do you know how different you and I look when we have joy compared to the rest of the world? When you go to work on a Sunday morning and you're carrying joy, trust me, people are going to notice when you get to the end of Thursday afternoon and you've got joy, yeah. people are going to notice. Right. Joy stands out. Yeah. And we've been anointed with authority and we've been anointed with the attributes of joy. And here's the other thing. We've been anointed to. Yeah. Anointed with, anointed by, but anointed to. It says this in Luke 4.18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim captives released, blind see, oppressed set free. The time of the Lord's favor has come. You and I, we are anointed. We are sent. We are to go around. Wherever you are, wherever you're from, be filled with the Holy Spirit and with power and go around and do good. We've been anointed for the task. We've been sent on our way. There's that whole thing of just going around. I, I was reading about Jesus, and as I started to read, particularly in the Romans 10, it talks about how beautiful are the feet of him who brings good news. And it's from Isaiah, and I think in Nahum, the similar prophecy as well. And um, what the prophet, I began to think about Jesus' feet. And I began to think about the instances where his feet are mentioned. And there's two things I want to particularly point out. One is, his feet are anointed with perfume. Do you remember the story? A lady comes and she breaks a jar, an alabaster jar of this incredible scent, and she washes Jesus' feet with it and her hair and her tears. It's a beautiful story. And I thought, wow, can you imagine what Jesus' feet must have smelt like for days after? 
his feet would have smelled amazing. That's a year's worth of perfume on his feet. Everywhere Jesus went, he would have smelled good. And you know what? For us, wherever we go, we will carry the aroma of life. It talks about it in Corinthians. And to some, it might stink, but to others, it will be like a perfume. It will be fresh. And you know what? God wants us to be looking out for those who, who draw on us, who talk to us, who engage with us, who ask us things, because guess what? They're getting from us something that they want. They've seen something in us. They might not be able to put their finger on it, but you smell good. Your feet are anointed. And your feet are strong. You know, one of the words that Chris, in, in the interpretation of the tongue that, Chris, uh, that Stefan brought and Chris interpreted, he talked about going into situations, into tough situations and difficult situations, into, he used this word, into tangled mess. One of the other instances where you read about Jesus' feet is in Revelation 1 and 2, and John sees Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, and he sees Jesus' feet, and he describes them as burnished bronze refined in the fire, glowing and glorious. Did you know that, that bronze is odorless? It, it's a great uh, conductor of electricity and heat, but but it's also tougher, it's harder than iron or copper. What does that mean? It means that just like Jesus, you and I, our feet are anointed, they smell good, but also they are tough. Tough as old boots. Your feet can take you into places, situations, circumstances, where others might fear to go, but you walk with beautiful feet, you walk with anointed feet, and you walk with feet like Jesus of burnished bronze. Don't be afraid of where Jesus leads you, the Spirit leads you. You don't need to be worried about that because your feet are good for the journey. And I began to look at what Jesus did on the way to places. Do you know sometimes we get really locked into where we're going to be next? Does anybody do that? Yeah. One of the things for us, we were talking about this the other day for, for me, is when we go on holiday, I think I don't really enjoy being on holiday until I'm actually at the location where the holiday is going to take place. Whereas other people, it's even the journey is part of the holiday. Does anybody, anybody, is, who's a journey as part of the holiday person? And who's, put your hands down please, because you're all wrong. And if you could put your hand, <laughs> and if holiday begins when I get there, please raise your hand. Okay, so, actually there's more journey people than location people. That's good, I'm talking to a good group here. But I want us to, to, to realize that sometimes we get so focused on where we're going that we don't think about what happens along the way. So focused on getting to work, so focused on getting to school, so focused on getting to the shops that we don't think about what happens on the way. And God wants us to be engaged with what is going on around us on the way. And I began to look at Jesus in his life and the things that happened on the way to places. He was approaching Jericho and a blind man shouts out, son of David, have mercy on me. And David heals him. He doesn't say, sorry, mate, I'm going to Jericho. But he meets him on the way and he heals him. In Matthew 8, he's coming down, he's just preached this incredible sermon. You might have heard of it, the Sermon on the Mount. And as he comes down, a man with leprosy approaches him, and Jesus heals him there and then, on the way down the hill. In John 4, when Jesus meets the woman at the well, he's on his way from Judea to Galilee. And yet he's switched on to what's going on around him. Just quickly turn to Matthew 9, please. Because here's a wonderful story of Jesus doing something on the way, when he gets there, and on the way back. Jesus never switched off to what was around him, the harvest that was there on the way. In Matthew 9, Jesus has just healed a paralyzed man. He's got into a boat and sailed across, and then he heads towards the synagogue, and, and the leader of the synagogue, in verse 18, a man called Jairus, 
calls Jesus. His 12-year-old daughter is sick, and he asks Jesus to come to his house to heal his daughter. And on the way, does anybody know what happened? Scan down and you'll see it. Story that's well known. A woman touches the hem of his garment. She'd been sick for 12 years with bleeding. And she touches him and immediately she's healed and he knows power has left him. But miracle happened on the way. And then the little girl tragically has died and he gets to the house. And what happens when he gets there? He resurrects her. This isn't, this isn't poetic. This is true. This really happened. Jesus resurrected that little girl. And then on the way home, he meets some men who are blind and they come and they find him. And guess what he does? He invites them into his home and he heals them. And I just thought, wow, Lord, you do stuff when you're there, but you do stuff on the way there. You do stuff on the way back. And Jesus says to his disciples in John 4, the fields are ripe. Look up and look around. And I want to say this. I'm going to borrow Martha's. This is Martha's phone. Okay, it's not mine, honest. Mine's a panda. It's very different to this pug. But here's a challenge for, for me, for all of us is when we're on the way to anywhere or doing anything other than what we think we're going to be doing next, we often do this. And I'm not just talking to youth. I'm not just talking to young people. We're beginning to look down, and Jesus very clearly says this, look up. When you're on your way somewhere, don't get so caught up in getting to there that you miss the opportunities that are going on around you. you. Have you ever stood at a bus stop or in a waiting area? What's the first thing that happens? Everybody gets to where they are. They find their little place, and out comes the phone. And I've been as guilty as the next man or woman for that. And I feel the Holy Spirit is saying, don't do that. Look up. Be switched on. Ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you right now to to show me, to help me, to recognize what's going on around me. The harvest you said is great. The harvest you said is ready. Well, I'm here. There's definitely harvest here. Help me. We can do that, can't we? keep our phones in our bags and our pockets so that when we get wherever we go, we're looking up. We could play this video, if that's okay, just, just for a minute. There's something that really illustrates the point of the dangers of looking down when we should be looking up.
The fact that he tripped over it, <laughs> warning, same. But you know what? God wants us to be not like that. But that wherever we're doing, wherever we are, to recognize the harvest is great. The harvest is ready. We're on the way, and it's on the way that God will do great things through us. Just begin to think about your on the ways, the places where you go, the places you visit often, the, 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 the journey there, the journey back, the walks you might go on, the drives you might go on, the places that you visit. And just begin to think of what God can do in those places when we are fully looking up, looking around and recognizing the harvest is great, the harvest is ready, and we are anointed, just like Jesus was, with the Holy Spirit and power to do good and heal all who are oppressed by the devil. Just want to encourage us that as we look at harvest over the coming uh, month, that we take every opportunity that we have to reach and to meet and to impact and touch the harvest. I believe this will be a month where we see people saved and brought into the kingdom, where there'll be a reaping, where people will encounter us, and as they encounter us, they meet Jesus, and as they meet Jesus, they make him their Lord and their Savior. It's time that we think about telling people about not just how we became a Christian, but why we're a Christian. You know, sometimes people ask us about why you're a Christian, and then we start to tell them about how we became a Christian, but actually it's about telling them why. Saying about the difference that Jesus has made in your life to them. The realities of it, the impact of it, the, reali- the, the, the significance of it, the, the practical benefits of what it means to be a believer, to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. The good news of the kingdom. You know what the good news, the gospel that we carry, it is timeless. Revelation 14 says, uh, 14 verse 6 describes it as the eternal good news. It is eternal, it is timeless, but also it is incredibly timely. In Matthew 10, verse 7, Jesus tells his disciples to say this, the kingdom of God is near you now. We are bearers, carriers, exporters of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom of God. We're enjoying it, we're benefiting from it. It's time that we let the world experience that as well. Over this coming month, we've got great opportunities to continue to be encouraged in seeing the lost reached. And when we're in groups this week, I'd love for us to pray for the harvest, but also Jesus says to pray, more importantly, for the workers. That we pray for one another, that we encourage one another, that we, we pray for a fresh impartation of the Holy Spirit, a fresh expectation that God can use us wherever we are, that we have a fresh realization of those who are around us ready to respond to the good news, those who really are harvest that we pray for the International Friendship Center, that we pray for Mumstop, that we pray for Alpha that's going to start in just a month's time, that we pray for Arna as he comes to minister. He's another worker of the gospel. That is when, when he's with us. This afternoon, we're in Colville for a hope and healing meeting. We're going to pray that God blesses that through the explorers that God blesses. We're starting a lunch club that begins this month where people who are lonely and lost will come into this place and we can minister to them and bless them and do them good. And all the other opportunities that God has for us. And even at Momentum, it's all about overflow and harvest. Can we stand together, please? I just want to encourage each one of us this morning with this fact, that God has anointed you for wherever you are, from wherever you are, but for wherever you are, with the Holy Spirit and power. So that, so that you too can do good 
I too can do good and heal all who are oppressed by the devil. Paul says in Romans 16, he says that the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. That our feet as we go out, we will crush the works of the evil one. All who are oppressed by the devil, all who are locked and bound up, we will crush his work and we'll release people into the kingdom of God and we'll extend the kingdom as we share the good news of Jesus Christ. So I want to say this before I finish. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never made him your Lord, we've sung about him this morning, we've worshipped him, we've talked about him. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He has died for every person that has ever lived and ever will live to pay the price and the penalty for their sins and your sin. But he rose again because he defeated sin, he defeated death, and now he's ascended and he's alive and he's King of kings and Lord of lords and it's time for you to make him your King and your Lord and your Savior. And if that's you today, please come and speak with me. Just when we close this meeting in a few minutes, please come and speak with me. I would love to pray with you and introduce you to Jesus. But for the rest of us, could I just ask that just in our own hearts right now, we would just prepare ourselves. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are the one who empowers us. I thank you that it's not about us working ourselves up. It's not about us trying hard to convince people. It's not about us being wise and persuasive. It's about being full of you. That's it. That when we're full of you, Holy Spirit, that from that overflow comes all that's needed to see the harvest reached and reaped. And so, Spirit of God, we say again, we need you. We recognize our need for you. We ask that we'd seek to be full of you every day, every moment of every day, that we'd draw on you, we'd look to you, we'd speak with you wherever we are, whether we're at the shops, whether we're at the library, whether we're at school or work or at home or anywhere in between. We ask, Holy Spirit, help to prompt us, encourage us to look to you and to look around and to see the harvest that's there on the way. Lord, I pray for new birth this month. Pray for salvation this month. I want to thank you for seed that's been sown by others. And I thank you that it's grown and it's mature and that we will be those who will reap that seed that was planted faithfully by others before us. And so, Lord, I thank you for that right now. I thank you for the new birth that will take place this month. Thank you for souls saved this month. Neighbors and friends and colleagues. People who are at the moment maybe strangers but will meet us and because of that meet you, Jesus and their lives will never be the same again. We say, Satan, we are here to crush you and your work. And we carry right now within us the authority of Christ Jesus into our towns, into our villages, to see restoration come and the kingdom extended. Amen. Amen. All God's people said, Amen. Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church, and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.